let me add my greetings to everyone this morning and to all of you joining us online. It is good to be together or together uh, in our new way online. And uh, I am eager to today finish up our series on loneliness. We entitled this series The Loneliness Pandemic because statistics show that while material poverty, it's, it's still present, but it is less of a problem in developed nations like ours. Relational poverty is especially a problem in developed nations like ours. So over 30% of adults say that they struggle with loneliness. And the younger you get, the more desperate it gets. When you go younger, our teenagers to mid-20s, 6 out of 10 of them Six out of ten say that self-report that, and this is during the pandemic, that they are experiencing dangerous levels of loneliness. And so it's a problem. And I just want to add this. If it's not you right now, I just want you to know we're fragile people. It could be. It could be like that. I uh, have had people come to me during this series, maybe a half dozen uh, or ten folks, some recently widowed, that just with pain in their eyes, nodding, you know, knowingly saying and using words to say, this is so true. This is so true what you're dealing, addressing today. And one younger person who had a best friend move, and that's all it took, just a, a best friend moving, and they felt what, what she would have said was dangerous levels of loneliness. She just didn't know what to do. And so I appreciate Brad's teaching last week when he was talking about what we need to do, what we need to do to find those authentic connections with people, genuine friendship. In week one, I shared what we need to offer to those who are lonely, what we need to offer. There are things we can do that are like relational medicine to people who are experiencing and suffering from loneliness. And then last week, Brad talked about what we need to do if we're feeling lonely in order to receive that, in order to really find that safe place. We talk, called that first one escaping quarantine together and the second one mask off living. It's a, it's a challenge. It's risky. It's risky business to share yourself with someone. That quote that Brad said at the beginning of his sermon has haunted me all week uh, where it said, we want to be fully loved and fully known. That's what we're all wanting. And if you miss one or the other, then it's lacking. That's lacking. So it's a challenge to find that place that's safe, but that's our challenge. We've got to take it on. And we are trying to be here, that kind of place. And so um, while these horizontal relationships and connections are absolutely imperative to address the epidemic of loneliness that's going on in our country, it's not the only, it's not the one thing that is needed. Okay? And so there is only one essential person that's needed to address loneliness. Okay? Your spouse is important, as important as your spouse is. It's not your spouse. It's as important as your children are. It's not your children. As important as your parents are. It's not necessarily a good relationship with your parents, as important as they are. And then everyone else we can just lump into friends. It's not relationships with any particular friend that you need. In, in, in a way, people are somewhat interchangeable. We need people, but who specifically those people are, are not necessarily um, built in, net, essential. 
There is one person, though, capital P, that is essential for addressing everyone's loneliness feeling, and that's God. And you remember in week one when I referred you to Genesis chapter 2 at the beginning of our faith's story, one of the things he said was that it is not good for man to be alone. And one of the points of that text is to show that even when you have relationship with God, according to God, you still need people, okay? And so that's what we've been talking about the last two weeks, and that's true. That's true. But if that's true, then don't you think the opposite is even more so, right? That if you, even if you have relationships with people, you still need a relationship with God. And so why is what I want to talk about today. Why do we need a relationship with God to address loneliness, especially if we have plenty of people? Why is that? And I thought of two reasons that I want to present to you and explore. The first one, we need a connection with God because God meets a need within us that other people cannot meet. There's something about us that people can't touch. And I learned this personally in a memorable way. This is probably over decade ago, but I still remember it. That's how monumental this was for me. But I had something happen to someone I love, and it just really, man, it took me out. Emotionally, it just, mentally, it it took me out. And so I used this, praise God, I had this deep well of relational um, companionship. And so I told my small group, I took that mask off and I shared it with them. I shared it with my minister friends. I shared it with my shepherds here. I, I shared it and I just, and we prayed and, and I cried with them and they felt for me and surrounded me and were praying for me. And I still couldn't shake it. I could not shake this pain until I finally, one Monday, my, my day off, I drove an hour out of town and I found this isolated spot by the canyon. And I went out and, and I opened my door. I remember still getting out of my car door. And I, I want to say I had it out with God. I just laid it all out to him. And I am telling you, he met me there. And I came back in that car, the car ride back. I was a changed person. I was okay. And it, I couldn't find it with people. But, but I did find it with God. And it took me a week to really go to him because I was so busy utilizing my relationships with people. There's this, now why is that? There's this revealing claim in our wisdom literature. It's in Ecclesiastes 3, one of the epic statements of the Bible. It says, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Now I want you to just think about that. For, really think about that. If, if the Bible's true, if that's true, then there is something of the nature that is, that is not tied to time. It is not tied to space. It, is, it, is not, it does not pass away. It, doesn't, it never fades away. And that something of that quality is inside of you. It's inside of something that is bound to time, that is bound to a very small space, and will pass away. There's something in you that has an eternal nature, okay? And, and, and so what does that mean? At least one of the things I think it means, it's Dallas Willard who says that this verse means at least that there's something within our heart that cannot be filled or satisfied by anything less than God himself. Not by anything, 
not by any person. That no matter how much power we attain and influence that we have and things we can make happen, no matter how much wealth we accrue, and no matter how many people we have available to us at any depth of intimacy, that we will be left unsatisfied, discontent, because of that little piece of us that is eternal. That only something eternal can match and touch and satisfy And we know that that's God. Whoever he is, that's who can touch that piece of us. There was this old U2 song. I didn't really pay attention to words much when I was a kid, but this one came, this is Dole's thing to come up with songs, but this one came back to mind as I was preparing for this. And U2 was singing about Jesus when they said this in one of their songs. You broke the bonds. You loosed the chains carried the cross of my shame. Oh, my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I think too many of us, even Christians, we walk around believing, we believe it, we believe in God, that he can meet all your needs, but we fall short of experiencing God in a way that actually does meet all of our needs. That we are not enjoying him at the levels and at the depths of personal relationship and experience that he is available to us. And so say something a little bold, that if you're experiencing loneliness, perhaps you have a people problem. But even if you have a people problem, I believe what I'm about to say is true. That That is like the red flag. That is your... The runway lights telling you, go this way. You are not experiencing God at a level that is, he's available to you. That's what loneliness can trigger inside of us. That he wants to meet our needs. Now, the church, I think, in general, in general, with some serious fatal flaws over its history, but in general, in the West, in America, the church has done a pretty good job of unpacking teachings about God. But I don't know how, at least in my lifetime, including in my service to you from here, I don't know how well we've done at equipping you with the tools and the skills and the practices that actually connect you to a life with God. You know a lot about God as love, but maybe we need to work harder at Sharing and teaching each other those, those skills and those practices that connect us to, to that love. Experientially. To where it's real. And it's satisfying. And I'm going to be thinking and praying about that for a while. That has really taken root in my heart. And I'm reading a bunch of books about it. And there's a lot of books about it. That we're not enjoying God at the level that he is available to us. And I'm really getting convicted that that is tragic. That is tragic, and I'm sorry. And I'm sorry for flooding you with teaching for your head about God and not teaching you those things like I did out at that canyon that day. I told you I did it. I didn't tell you what I did, how I did it, that connects me to that love, that satisfies my heart, that satisfies my soul. And I want to repent of that in the weeks and the years to come. And I'm, I'm praying about that. But, there's, but if that strikes you, then I do have a book that I want to recommend. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter 
Scazzaro. And there's a lot of them. I'm naming that one particularly today because it convincingly lays out the case that there's more of God available to you at a wider expanse of your life within you that is soul satisfying, but it also gives you some practical proven practices, practices to connect you to God. There's so much more. But I think if, if that strikes a nerve with you, then maybe I can bless you with one thing that I think would help if you want to do some search on your own. And I got to tell you, this is a communal faith that we're in, but, but you will have to do to enjoy God experientially in a way that satisfies your soul. You will have to do work on your own. Okay, you will want to pursue him personally, not just come in here and hear someone else's pursuit of him. You need both, but that's what you need to do. Now, you might be saying, but Brian, okay, so you said God himself said that even if you have the relationship with God you're supposed to have, that you still need people. Remember, you said it, Brian, Genesis 2, that Adam Adam had perfect relationship with God. It wasn't even interfered by sin. And God said, you still need people. So shouldn't I be investing in people? Yes. But this does not contradict that. In fact, I would say that even if you are surrounded by people, but you don't have the relationship with God that he intends and has made available for you, the people aren't going to do you that much good. No matter how great those relationships are, because God has set eternity in your heart. Eternity's in there, and you need him. Think about it. If all we need was people, proximity to people, then we take that 40 to 60% of teenagers and people and just throw them in a room together. Loneliness taken care of. Y'all know that won't work, will it? Because even though the walls between all of us are gone and we're sitting in the same room and we've gotten in proximity of each other, which is needed for this relationally with people, We all bring walls with us that are inside of us that keep us disconnected in a soul-satisfying level from each other. And that leads me to the second reason we need this connection with God. He has to intervene in those things. He has to intervene and heal those walls inside of you that keep you disconnected from people. Yes, you you need people. But then you also need to learn and lay down those things that are keeping you disconnected from people. It's work. It is connection with God that heals those things. No person can do it for you. Some of you in here, you walk around with this inner critic inside of you constantly telling you, nitpicking you, saying things that make you infer that there's just, I'm not good enough to have those kind of friendships. There's some fatal flaw in me. See, no person can heal that in you. God heals that. Some of you, you walk around, you think that you have to serve others enough to get them to serve you. You've got to be friend enough to others in order to maybe, maybe they'll be so appreciative or at least feel obligated back to serve you back. And that's how you're trying to get friends. No human can heal that in you. God heals that. Some of you think you need to measure up to what other people consider successful in order to earn the right to be friends with them. God heals that. 
Some think they have to be unique enough or special enough, different enough from the crowd to merit inclusion in that crowd. Or they think they're so unique, so different, so unusual that they could never be included in that crowd. They're just too different. God heals that. Some feel like there's so much to think about. There's so much to learn and be prepared for and, 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 and be, be ready for in life. That there's just goodness. I'm busy. There's just no time for friendship like that. No person can heal that. God heals that. Some of you are so afraid of rejection from someone you care about that you've attached to. Or betrayal. Or abandonment by those people that you care about, that it is worth the feeling of loneliness just not to risk it. Just not to ever get that close. If you're not hurtable, you won't get hurt. God, God heals that. There's some of you who have dozens, maybe hundreds of acquaintances, inch deep relationships, because there's something in you that just, like all that touchy-feely stuff, you know, it's just the way I am, you know, and and so I just, I don't know how to do that and be all emotional, especially the negative emotions. I, I avoid those like the plague. And so you inherently avoid relationships like the plague because those are going to come along with them. God heals that. There's others that they just feel like they're just insignificant little specks of dust on the earth. They're just not, they don't, you're not worth it. You're not worth being friends with. That's something God heals. So God is the one essential worker I'm suggesting to you in any, in any arena of dealing with loneliness. He's the inoculation shot. Because connection to people cannot replace God. And because God is who can heal the things that keep you disconnected from people. So let me ask our leaders and their families go ahead and make their way out into the foyer just in case you're needing some connection, interpersonal connection today. This is why these, these folks do this is just to make themselves available to you. Well, I finish by declaring something about God, one of the few things I'm certain of in life. And that's this, God cares about your loneliness. He cares about that. He left heaven and came all the way to the earth and gave himself the name God with us. Okay, he didn't want us to just know about him. He wants us to know him and he cares about putting us with people. I have a verse that says it overtly in Psalm chapter 68. If, if you want to argue about it, it says, God sets the lonely in families. In my little footnotes of my Bible, it says this could be interpreted that God sets the desolate in a homeland. It's dramatic. We want that, don't we? We want a homeland. We want a people. We want a family. But did you notice, it's God who does that. God acts. He sets you up for family. You have to receive it. And just being born into a family does not mean you have the kind of connection you need to have, does it? I can tell you plenty of people have been born into family and feel alone. And don't have those connections with family. Praise God where that's not true. But God is the one who makes the connections for you. And he does that. He looks for the lonely. And he sets them in families. This is trying to happen. 
But all you, you got to be willing. You got to be willing to cooperate with God and see that happen. He says it here overtly, but let me end with a story. When God was down here in Jesus, there's this great story that I've never read quite like this before, but it, it affirms that God cares about the lonely. So it's in Luke chapter 7. Let me just read it to you. Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd was with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, who was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. So this is a very large crowd now. There's his crowd, he's got his best friends, he's got other followers, and then he meets this other crowd. But the other crowd is moving because there is this dead man, the last child of this woman who is already widowed from her husband. And of all the people there and of all the needs that resided in that situation, Jesus' eyes went to this woman. It says, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus presented him to his mother. I wouldn't you love to know what this man said when he got, I would love to know. Like he, he's getting out of a coffin. I don't know. Maybe he's a talker. You know, he was, he was talking when he died and he's just continuing the thought as he's been raised. But regardless, that sweet voice to that mom, when he, Jesus presented this son back to her. See, she was set up for a serious life of loneliness. Back then, it mattered if you didn't have a man in your life, sadly. Right? It, her, her husband's gone. Her son's gone. And she has no more kids. She was set up for a lonely, difficult existence. And what did Jesus do in all those needs? That's what he noticed. And here's what I want you to leave with. Jesus broke the rules to set this woman and family. Jesus broke the, the rules of nature. He's looking at you. He's looking at the places where you are lonely. You may be surrounded by people, but you're alone. You may be in a marriage, but you're alone. You may have literal family, but you feel there's lonely places in your heart that they can't touch, that they just can't help with, even if they're trying with all that they are. Jesus sees that. God sees that. And he wants to break all the rules, all the rules to touch that eternal part of you and satisfy that. All of the rules that reside inside of you that keep you separated, whether it's from your sin or your personality or you hide behind that, that's just the way I am thing. He wants to break all those rules that you've adopted and think are immovable. He wants to break all of those. He wants to present you with him and people. And he will. At the end, at the end of that little scene, the crowd that saw it, it says in verse 16, they were filled with awe and then they praised God. And here's what they said. They made a proclamation then that was true then that's still true for you now. He said, God has come to help his people. Church, world, let him help. Let him come, let him help. Let us come, let us help. We've got to help each other. If we can help you in any way, please, please come. Please come to us. Let's stand and let's sing.